Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a worker being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website at workerbeing.com or on social media um, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can also support our community. We have an awesome community we'd love for you to learn more about. You can find details at workerbeing.com slash community. So today, we're super excited to be here to talk about blending work and leisure. So this is an interesting topic. It's not about... Um, We've talked about integration before, right? Like people that like to integrate their work and their life together. It's more about having work-related things that are leisure-focused, which that sounds confusing. I'll explain it a bit. But (laughs) before we get into that, Katina, I'd love to know what your favorite work and leisure blended activity is. So I'll give you an example. Like for me, one of the things that I really love is I love when – a company that is virtual comes together. And so that's kind of a work and leisure blended activity because some of the activities you're doing are work related, but then you also have more meals, lunches, dinners, whatever that are with work people. You're building social connection. Um, but it's technically kind of a leisure activity as well. So it's work related, but it's also a leisure activity. So that's huh. mine. I like that. Um, so I don't know that that many of my workplaces have engaged in these work and leisurely activities because um, academia is not particularly good at providing those kinds of things. (laughs) But you can (laughs) tell me if you think that this counts. So um, at my prior employer, they used to have um, like a, a mindful Monday group. It wasn't like a wellness program because it sounds like that's not really what we're talking about. Um, it could be though. Okay. <laughs> so it was, uh, they offered every Monday during the lunch hour, um, a mindfulness session that was 45 minutes long. And then, um, basically you were allowed to take like an extra 15 minutes for your lunch if you were in mindful Monday. So it was an incentive to get people to join it. Um, for staff, like people who usually took their lunch from 12 to one. And then there would be like a half an hour where everybody who did mindful Monday would like uh, eat their lunch together, like discuss whatever, but it became like a little community on campus. And so there was like, you know, people encouraging each other, connecting outside, or like if you were in a meeting with someone for mindful Monday, like someone in the meeting might be like, Oh, you know, we should learn from our mindful Monday and like implement mindfulness into our meetings. Like we start the meeting with a minute of mindfulness. So it became like a nice, like community that was centered around sort of just like this, like peaceful activity that brought people together, but also then like served to kind of make the workplace function a little bit better because people were thinking about it more um, mm-hmm. outside of that session as well. Nice. Yeah, that definitely counts. And I think that's a really good one. That sounds so lovely to have like it was. that opportunity. And then the lunch after I think is also a really nice touch to it. Yes. So we, I, I enjoyed that very much. We, I don't think that there's anything like that right now um and maybe there will be something like that at Arizona I just don't know I'll have to find out fingers crossed I hope so but it is it definitely fits into this definition of work leisure blending um that I'm going to talk about because there's three components so the paper that this is all based off of that I'm going to be talking about today is basically um a conceptual review and a framework on what work leisure blending is because there's a lot of research in different fields around this topic um but there hasn't been a lot of good um, integration across these different fields to really focus in on what it means for work and leisure to blend together and why that may or may not be good for employees. 
So my first takeaway today is definitional. I'm really going to just focus on like what it actually means so we can understand what work leisure blending is. And then a couple of takeaways as to like what that means for, um, for leaders, employees, et cetera. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so work leisure blending, it's basically the extent to which work and leisure are intertwined. So it's really defined by activities that have both components. So both of the examples that we gave, um, count because you were in these mindfulness sessions with your work colleagues and taking a lunch break with work colleagues, but it was still associated with the work day. Um, Same with mine. If you travel for a work event and you have like lunches and dinners and things like that, it's still part of this work, you know, venture activity, what have you. So other examples would be things like taking a break at work, Um, you know, so it's happening at work and it's, but it's a leisure activity. So thus it's blended. Um, and there are three dimensions to these blended activities, which I'll break down when we get into the details, but basically activities can be on a scale between segmentation and integration, which is a little different than when we've talked about it in an individual level. They can be structured or unstructured and they can be independent or interactive. Okay. So, um, those sound interesting. Can you talk a little bit about each one of those so we can kind of understand what category some of the activities that I'm sure people are thinking about right now that you're sort of doing something fun or relaxing or leisurely, um, but you're doing it with people at work. So maybe just like a little bit deeper dive into each of those categorizations. Yeah. So I'll definitely go into a lot more depth in a minute, but so just high level, a segmented activity is like what you talked about where you go and take a mindfulness class. You're not actually doing work. You're doing a leisure activity, but it's in a work environment. An integrated activity is if you come together as a team and you are playing like a brainstorming game, but the outcome, mm. the output is like an actual um, work product or like a sales competition. It's like a game that's like trying to sell who's going to outsell somebody, but the actual activity you're doing is a work related task. Um, when you look at unstructured or structured, unstructured is like, I decided I'm going to take a break and I'm going to have lunch with my colleagues. Structured is I'm a company and I put together a mindfulness program for you to join. Independent versus interactive is kind of more obvious, right? So it's either I'm doing something independently on my own or I'm doing something socially with other people in the company. So those are the three different dimensions. So you can imagine activities can kind of fall on all any combination of those three dimensions. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I think that's helpful because I wasn't thinking about independent I was more thinking of like leisure activities that you would do as a group because both of our examples had that so that's kind of interesting to think about that as well so it doesn't have to be something that you're doing with work colleagues it can be something leisurely that you're doing at work um that you're just doing on your own Mm -hmm. exactly okay cool yeah awesome so that's the definition of what work leisure blending looks like um there's the main takeaway from this conceptual framework is that having a variety of these activities is actually really important Um, so for people, you know, you don't want to just have work, 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 and then independent breaks. That's not going to be as positive for, um, employees as if they have a variety of these different types of work, work, leisure, blended activities. And all of these activities actually help increase employees commitment to a company. So if you are doing this well and you're allowing for work, leisure blending, then people are more committed to stay with your company. Hmm. So you mentioned variety. So it needs to be uh, something that people are 
viewing as sort of like an exciting engaging activity um it can't be something that like becomes almost like rote or like a routine like it becomes work yeah and it's also like being able to do a variety of different work leisure blending so like I should be able to have the flexibility to take a break and do something on my own but then I also have happy happy hours and like social events I can go to and then I also have you know access to a mindfulness group or something right so there's multiple like I should be able to have access to a lot of work leisure blended activities throughout my work life it doesn't have to be every single day but just generally speaking having access to a lot of these is really impactful Hmm. so like in my example because there wasn't a lot of other things going on even though I really liked this group it would have been more beneficial if they had this group and a bunch of other things that were also going on at the same time as opposed to just this group so like while the group still fits in the category and it's probably better than a workplace that doesn't have anything like that group the better thing would be yeah we have this but we also do these other things that sort of are interspersed in with that thing so like it's Mm -hmm. not just uh, to get the full maximum potential from these work and leisure blended activities you need to not just like pick one and just keep doing it because I would imagine over time that might just become like expected routine maybe it even becomes a little bit of a drag because you're like sick of it (laughs) so you're not getting the same like you're you're not basically experiencing your workplace as a place where you can blend these two things together but more like oh it has this offering exactly and there's the whole idea of workplace wellness being individualized so if you only have one offering or two offerings then you're not really um providing all the things that people might want to do. And it doesn't have to be formal offerings either. It can be as simple as allowing people to like, I don't know, read a book during a break and not be bothered. That Mm -hmm. is also a work blended or work leisure blended activity where you're reading your own personal book in like a break room somewhere. And that's fine. That's, you know, if you give people that flexibility and opportunity to do those things, then that's really good. It's when you don't have the opportunity to take any kind of leisurey leisure type breaks or doing anything at work that might feel more fun where you come into problems Hmm. gotcha so like a way of thinking about this would be that if you're trying to come up with a way to sort of transform your workplace into being better at combining these things you shouldn't just go to your default of like, oh, this is what I would like to do or this is the offering that I would want. Having a variety in the offerings, but then also thinking about like just structurally, how are people thinking about work and leisure? And is there too many barriers between these two things that people feel like they can't actually create spaces in their regular work day where they just introduce that themselves? Exactly. Yep. You've got cool. it. Um, and so if you think about this research space, it's like I mentioned, they're combining fields like research in different fields. And so like different types of topics or terms that were used, so they're calling this we- work leisure blending. But this includes things like um, the concept of organizational play or workplace fun. Like these concepts are all included in this. So it, inc- it has a variety of different things that that means. Right. It could be a very structured like team building activity that has a specific work outcome, but it could also be like I was saying, just reading a book in a break room. Um, So it, there's a lot that is encompassed in this space. And the thing that's really important to remember. So this is my last takeaway is that it's really important that not every single one of these work blended activities is structured and that work and leisure blended activities 
Um, we need ones that have non-work in them. So what you mentioned with mindfulness, that is non-work, right? You're not actually doing a job during that moment. Um, when I mentioned going to lunch or dinner, you know, happy hours, that is also non-work, um, leisure blended activity. So it's kind of like a weird concept, like where you're not doing work, but you are doing a work leisure blended activity because it's in a workplace or because it's with work colleagues. Um, having those ones that are where you're not actually doing a task is important because the ones where you're actually doing a task, like let's say there's a sales competition that's like gamified, um, gamification falls under this, under this category too. Mm. That can actually lead to more workaholism because it can be fun and people get really sucked into it, which is great from a productivity perspective for the business, but can actually be really bad for wellness. So the types of activities you're bringing in to bring fun and and kind of relaxation to the workplace need to not only be focused on work tasks. Right. So you can't just be like, yay, like I learned from this podcast episode that it's great to like turn all of our KPIs into games. And so that's the way I'm going to do work leisure and I'm not going to think about anything else. It has to be like, that's okay to do some of that, but it has to be combined with this focus on actually letting people disconnect, which it sounds like is kind Mm -hmm. of what you're saying that people need the opportunity to disconnect during the workday from their tasks in order to sort of intersperse true leisure amidst the things that they're doing for work. Exactly. Yep. You got it. Awesome. Well, that sounds really good. And I know you mentioned before that uh, it makes people more committed to the workplace. I would imagine that that's because people become more engaged with their jobs, uh, Mm -hmm. feel like their organization's offering them more as like a human being and a person. So they're willing to stick with their organization and do more for their organization because they feel like they're getting more out of it. Exactly. People are are definitely more committed. Um, They're more satisfied with their jobs. And they talked about like a lot of these types of activities actually provide a lot of wellness, right? So you know that social interaction brings wellness. Being able to take breaks we know has to do with wellness, right? Like all these topic areas that we've discussed kind of before, a lot of them fall into this bucket now, this broader bucket of work-leisure blended activities because if you're taking a break and you're um, watching a YouTube video, like that one study we talked about months I don't even know, months, years ago, whatever yeah. it was. Um, in that study, like that ta- that moment of taking a step away from work and watching a YouTube video, that is technically a work leisure blended activity because you're at work and you're taking a break and it, but the break is fully leisure. So that those types of things are really important for wellness as well as the social piece, building that connection with people at work. Those things are also really important for wellness. So overall, like this whole concept, um, all the different ways you can do this is actually really important for creating organizations where people can thrive. Yeah. I mean, and I think the YouTube video one too, it was like a humorous video or something. And I would imagine that some of these social activities might bring some more of those like social emotions in like like laughter and like joy and things Mm -hmm. like that. And then like some of the other positive emotions like calm or tranquility or peace or whatever might come from like the more stepping back, doing things by yourself. So it sounds like this is really like enhancing your positive experiences in the workplace. And then that translates to like positive emotions about your organization as well. Um, So that's awesome. I really like that. So what would you say workplaces should do in order to make sure that they're following proper protocol for work leisure uh blended activities oh goodness well I'm gonna actually take us make us take a step back because I do want to talk a little bit about more of those concepts and those three dimensions Hmm. which I think will help you kind of understand 
um, what it is a workplace can do. Um, and before I do that, I did want to call out one really interesting fact they talked about in the paper. So they talked about the history of work leisure blending. Oh. And I know, which I had not really thought about. And this is why I wanted to bring it up because I just like as a personal little side note, I thought it was interesting. Pre-industrial revolution, they talked about how work leisure leisure schedules, like there's anthropologists and things like that that talked about this. Um, it really coincided with agriculture. And so there was lots of physical activity during the day. And then people kind of just took breaks and like did leisure things throughout the day as they needed or wanted them, right? It's like, well, I need to go and harvest whatever, but maybe I'll take a lunch break and I'll go take a walk here. I'll go do this and I'll come back. Like it was, there was like a structure the way it is like in an office, right? Or even, mm-hmm. um, or even like in a factory or something like that when you get to the industrial Re- revolution. And the industrial revolution is really the, the time period where it brought this idea that work is work and leisure is outside of work. Um, so the idea of blending these two things kind of became more popular fairly recently. Um, hmm. So like the idea of like gamification at work, um, workplace fun, as I mentioned, and they actually looked and there were only seven academic papers written before 1981 on this topic. Wow. But then from 2011 to 2021, there were 207. Wow. So in a 10 year period, 207 articles, like that's a huge difference. So I just thought yeah. that was fascinating. So I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. And it also makes sense for people who are, you know, often like people expect that their workplaces are just going to let people take breaks and do what they want. And that means work isn't going to get done or whatever. It makes sense if people came up in their companies during the period of time where that was like basically unheard of, that it would be Mm -hmm. an adjustment. Right. And that there might be some like reactiveness or defensiveness around it. So that also like kind of helps to explain why sometimes we see some backlash around some of these initiatives because it just like wasn't a thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So now it's definitely become more popular. People are talking about these things. So when it comes to these dimensions, this is where I think you get into what you were talking about, like what can an organization think about? So if we're talking about segmentation versus integration, thinking about a segmented activity, this or a low integration activity, the examples are things that I mentioned, like happy hours, doing a meditation, things where you're not actually doing work tasks. And those things are really important. Most people are likely to find those more fun, right? Like employees tend to like those things best. Um, If they had a pick between segmented and integrated, they're like, we really like the ones where we just get to not do work and hang out, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Things that that can also include things like, uh, you know, company picnics or what have you. So those things are really fun and can provide a lot of... uh, social support and things like that as well when you get into the more social side of it. But even like I said, taking breaks is really important. So from an organizational perspective, as a company, you need to think about how can you encourage these types of social activities? How can you make sure people are taking their breaks where they're not actually doing work and they're truly disconnecting and taking leisure time throughout the work week um, from time to time so that they have that that moment because that makes people happy. They just like it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I think that that's a good call out to make sure that people are recognizing that that's not like dead or wasted time. Because again, I think that that's often what people think about when they think of that. But we're saying that this is related to work outcomes that people are trying to boost right now. Like what makes people not leave my organization? Well, these are the kinds of things that count. Exactly. Yeah. 
And then integrated activities. So those are um, like the sales competition I talked about, right? Some sort of gamified sales competition, a team brainstorming game, something where you're doing work, but like in a more fun way. Um, those activities actually lead to a lot of flow. Like people have probably heard of the term flow before, right? When you're really like focus and you're in it and a lot higher productivity. So that's where you get into the potential risk of workaholism. If everything is like your tasks are all super engaging, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but being able to allow people to disconnect and try to like push them to disconnect is also important. So you don't want to go too heavy on all the fun gamified things because you might risk burning people out just because they're so absorbed in their work, which is Mm. kind of an interesting balance to make. Yeah, like it's kind of like when companies were putting all those things in place, like when pre-COVID when everyone was in the office of like this activity on site, like team volleyball, like soccer, basketball, a gym on site, and then like a bar in the company and restaurants. And it was like, okay, but also after a while, people were like, but we never go home. And so it's like that stuff's fun and it is engaging, but there's a limit to it. Um, so it's like everything in moderation, it sounds like, but making sure you have moderation of everything. Yeah, exactly. So like what you just described, those are technically segmented activities. So you're doing, Mm -hmm. you're not doing a work task, but yeah. But in order to like, um, one thing I was seeing recently is like, um, when they're talking about like how Google gives employees three meals a day for free, but dinner doesn't start till six. I mean, you have to be there until six, right. Right. To get the dinner. So like, that's obviously not great. But then when you're coming to those, like, integrated activities like if you make um I don't know you have a sales competition that if the person wins a sale like the most sales in a quarter they get some ridiculous prize like they get to go to Tahiti for free or something I don't know um sometimes that can create a problem right people are excited about it they're really into it so they work and work and work and work try to get that prize and that is where the problem comes in with those integrated activities um or if there's like some sort of like if you can gamify tasks like some sort of brainstorming activity where the team just like sits there and they play it like on teams against each other in a, like a friendly competition like those things make people get sucked some people just get really sucked into that and they can't let go and so you have to like temper how gamified your activities yeah. can actually be your tasks can be yeah that makes a lot of sense um you don't want people to get sucked into like a i don't know now with like meta and all this like virtual reality who knows yeah. it could probably go go too far exactly so if you're a company thinking about what to do from a segmentation versus integration activity perspective allowing for those segmented like happy hour fun things is really good um, providing some level of gamification or like fun ta- work task activities is good but balanced for both Nice. Okay. That's perfect. So having that balance is important. Um, and what other takeaways would you suggest that companies try to implement with the findings that you've reviewed here? Yeah. So then when it comes to like the unstructured and structured, that's another really interesting one because, um, a lot of people, again, employees like unstructured work leisure blending the most. So they like things that they get to choose to do. Like they get to choose to take a break. They get to go to an informal lunch with their colleagues. They get to, you know, read a book for 20 minutes between meetings or what have you, right? Those types of things employees really like. Um, There are semi-structured things as well, which would be kind of what you talked about, like having um, 
of volleyball teams, like employee-led volleyball teams, like those are officially approved in quotes by the company, right? So mm-hmm. those are semi-structured. So the company's sort of involved, um, but not really. And then the structured activities are the ones where like, you know, a wellness program, they provided you a meditation class. They're, you know, a holiday party that the company throws and runs. Like that's a structured uh, workplace or work leisure blended activity. Mm-hmm. Employees like the unstructured the most, and they actually see those as true leisure. When it's an employer created activity, they don't always see it as a leisure thing unless they have actual autonomy to choose the structured leisure activity. So there's no like pressure. Like you had said, like if that's the only thing that's available, maybe everyone feels like they have to do it. If there's no pressure or to that structured activity, then people feel like it's truly a benefit versus just part of something you're expected to do. Yeah, that makes sense because it feels like autonomy is probably important. So if you're like putting wellness programming in place, for example, but then everybody is being forced to take part in it because it's like, well, we spent money on this, so everyone has to go or like I'm getting this person to come in to do a yoga class. I better see everyone there. Like then it feels more like a chore. And like we know that when people feel that their motivation for doing something is because they're being forced. There's some external force that's making them do it. Their feelings of wanting to do it themselves go down. So that makes a lot of sense because it seems like it has to do with choice. Like if I feel like I'm picking the activity myself, then I'm happier with it. But if it feels like, yeah, it's wellness related, but you're telling me I have to go, that kind of bums me out because it's, it no longer feels fun and it feels like a requirement. Yeah. So as a company, you have to allow people these unstructured activities, right? You need to give flexibility. We talk about this all the time, like flexibility in people's schedules, being able to do something unstructured. They actually talked a lot about how, um, if you think about the future, like if, or even COVID in general, like having room for those unstructured leisure moments allowed people to do things at home, right? Allowed people to try to balance things better. And, you know, we, we talk about like some people that like to have that interruption throughout their day. Sometimes you don't get a choice, but if you have the flexibility where if you are interrupted, you can do something else or you can take a break because, oh my gosh, your kid was screaming one second. Then you had this awful meeting and you just need time. Um, If you don't feel like you can do that, then you're not going to be doing well. So companies need to embrace the fact that people want some unstructured leisure time throughout their day and let them do it. And then also, like you said, don't force them into any structured things. The structured pieces are really meant to be there as a benefit, but it shouldn't be like, okay, you know, we track that no one on Patricia's team has attended any of the yoga classes. So Patricia, you should talk to them because, you know, we're paying for this. That would be bad. Like, that's not good. (laughs) You should. Yeah. There it is. We can communicate that it's there. You can promote it, all that stuff. But making it feel like it's a choice is important. And there's still a lot of research to be done, too, about the segment. Like when I talked about those, like, gamified sales competitions and things, like that's technically structured. So there, there's still kind of an outstanding question as to how that works. If yeah. it's a structured like work task game, is that actually, do people actually respond to that the same way they respond to other leisure activities? Yeah. Like does every, is it fun if you are forced to play the game? <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe you're not the most competitive person and you don't like 
sales competitions in those ways. And so does that completely alienate you from your team or create like a problem, right? So there's a lot to still be uncovered, but kind of thinking about how you're structuring your workplace, just knowing that there's, you should be providing both unstructured time, allowing people to have flexibility, take breaks, do what they got to do, but also providing some structure can help people feel like they have these good benefits and things, but making sure that they have autonomy to do it if they, or not do it. Yeah. So like a balance between structured and unstructured, but not forced in either direction. Um, and then the last one's independence uh, versus uh, in a group. What's the takeaway from that? Yeah. Independent interactive. So independent, they they called out examples like playing a computer game, reading, meditating, taking a, sol- a solo walk, right? That would be independent. They actually have two different interactive leisure activities or work leisure activities, parallel interactive which is a yoga class or like if you have a video arcade where like a bunch of people can go in and play games but they're playing their own game Um, or like what you described as the mindfulness class or meditation class but then there's also joint interactive which kind of goes to what you had talked about with the lunch right so then now you've moved from a parallel interactive activity to a joint interactive activity where you might be doing something together like a team building activity a lunch a scavenger hunt, something where you're working with a team and you're like interacting directly versus taking a class side by side. Awesome. Those are the kinds. Yeah. So those are the kinds of like leisures on that scale from independent to interactive. Um, And actually like independent leisure. So there's benefits to both. So kind of the story here is that these scales are really important to understand, but it's important to have all six of these dimensions present, right? Because Mm -hmm. independent leisure can be really recharging, right? Some people just need time to kind of recharge their batteries. Again, going back to the breaks, like we know that's really impactful. But we also know that leisure activities where there's some sort of interaction, both parallel and joint, um, so can actually increase bonding among employees. And that actually adds to heighten even further an employee's sense of commitment beyond any of the other leisure types of activities we've talked about. Yeah. So if I'm thinking about taking this away, like you said, it's really important as you're thinking about the offerings that you have and how jobs are structured to consider these three dimensions that you just put out there um, and say, okay, I need some from each category and thinking about how to make sure that you're giving people that mix and that balance and then reminding people of the opportunities that there are to engage in all of those different ways and letting people pick which ones they see best suited to them so there's an autonomy piece and there's a variety piece but these are the kind of categories that matter when you're trying to make your plan exactly yep so and you also can think about how all these three components tie together right like a company provided yoga class and that's a low integration or um class or a highly segmented class it's also high in structure because the company's providing it it's parallel interactive but like you know if we have a company picnic that is also low in or low integration or high segmentation but it's and high structure but now that's a joint interactive right so all these you can pull levers all over the place for these three things because there's like a, a bunch of different combinations right you can have very segmented or very integrated things you can have very structured very unstructured very interactive very independent like there's you can so thinking about all of those things holistically is really important and allowing employees to craft their own unique way of satisfying that work and leisure blended um, need so that they can actually 
not only enhance their organizational commitment and their satisfaction in their job, but can really impact their wellness overall. So I think that's, like you said, really important to think about all three. So as a leader, or if you're running an organization, thinking about that, if you're a manager, even thinking about how you can do some of this with your own team activities um, and how you can also provide that flexibility for that unstructured independent stuff. Um, there's, I think this is just a really good framework to think about the things you can provide and the things that people benefit from and allowing people to make their wellness at work individualized. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So don't just randomly pick when you're going to create wellness offerings or to create a more well workplace. Don't do it randomly. Do it thoughtfully. Think about these dimensions. Try to offer a variety. Let people choose. Um, I think this has been super helpful. I really appreciate that you read this and brought this to our attention. Yeah, I think it's a really fun article. Um, we will definitely link to it as always. Um, so you can find it in our show notes. And then if you have any questions or you want to chat about it, you should definitely join our community because we talk about our podcast episodes in the community, have a lot of fun kind of debating different things. So um, you can find out more about our community at workerbeing.com slash community. And as always, if you have questions that you want to point to us directly, you can feel free to email us at contact at workerbeing.com. But it's been fun sharing this. Hopefully there's some good takeaways for folks. And thank you for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Thank you.